Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier. On WEEI. And streaming on WEEI.com. Time to talk some ball with our guy Tom Curran. Of course, Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran, a 1-800-GET-HAIR, and by Wise Snacks. And nobody does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Tom Curran on the Harbor One Hotline. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Um, I want to know from you're you. Caught, you're always caught unawares at the beginning of this. It's like he doesn't know you're no, on. No, no, I he's do. Like he doesn't know. He's not expecting you. No, I'm trying to figure out which <laughs> question I want to lead with because I know there's a story about Mayo and the coordinators, and he's not at the Senior Bowl and all that stuff. Tommy, I'm curious from your end. There was the dude in Atlanta who said no to the special teams job. Zach Robinson said no to the OC job. Have we now come crashing to earth that not only is this not a great job right now, but that you have to talk people into taking it? I'm just curious from your end, Tom, how you sort of view some of the people out there saying no to the Patriots at this point. I think each one is going to have, obviously, their own individual dynamics involved. For instance, a special teams coach, who remained with the Falcons, remained with the Falcons, which certainly is a guy of four kids, I think Marquise Williams. So staying in place, someone made sense for him. But I do think certainly if you're looking at the Patriots job, you're looking at the structure and trying to make heads or tails of, okay, what am I in charge of? What's our plan? Where's final say? There's a lot of things that would give an individual pause, I think, if they're looking at the landscape of what they're going into. For instance, offensively, <clears throat> you could look at it as a great opportunity. We have a third overall pick. We have a blank slate on offense. We have money to spend on offense. Um, we have a low bar set by the 2022 and 2023 teams. I can let my vision take root. But on the other hand, too, there is uncertainty that enters into this. So it, to me, depends upon the individual and that's why I think it's very individually based as to do you want to do that or do you want to go someplace less less risk, higher safety. 
So I'll actually use your your because you have a Twitter poll out right now at Tom Curran, and uh, the question revolves around the, the the offensive coordinator search and how slowly it's going, and and uh, how you and, and you're asking everybody to you know how are you feeling about the pace and the direction, and you got three options: it's fine, no sweat, it's getting urgent, and what the hell is going on? So which one did you answer? Which one was yours? Currently, yeah, no, up to the minute uh, poll results: forty two point four percent are answering, what the hell's going on? 34.2 are, it's fine and no sweat, and 23.4, it's getting urgent. I think it's 23. I, I'm going to join that 23.4% and say it's, it's getting urgent. Senior Bowl's this weekend. Combine is next month. Draft, excuse me, free agency is in 46 days, and the draft is in um, 86 days. So you need to have in place your plan, and how you're going to staff these positions. You have to figure out which, uh, you know, assistant coaches who are under contract you're going to keep aboard. You know, Adrian Clement, Billy Yates, they might be the most important assistant coaches on this team in 2023 if they both return as offensive line coaches because you have an entirely new offensive line that you potentially may have to staff or you have developing players who you have to, like Mafi and um, – City so who you have to develop. So all of these things need to hit the ground running with visions and plans and plans for the season. I'm sure they're not just sitting down there, you know, putting into one of those little office things. But little glass. They do <laughs> little glass, things. little yeah, right. glass on the floor. <laughs> oh, my turn, my turn. So, <laughs> yeah, so you know, I I think that clarity um on what you're going to do as opposed to the feeling that, you know, it's worth saying, okay, you extracted Bill, a plan needs to be in place as opposed to, okay, now what? Is there any chance that they look around on offense and are like, ah, man, it just isn't lining up? Is McDaniels in this at all, Tom? I would say that certainly a conversation should be had with McDaniels as to whether as he has this year where he is in limbo on the Raiders contract still, you know, would you consider coming back here in any role or capacity whatsoever? And I think that Josh would say, okay, well, what would my role be? Would I be an offensive analyst? Would I be your offensive coordinator? Would I be a quarterback consultant? What would you like from me? Because I think from Josh's perspective too, if you bring him back, he has to understand specifically what his role is. Is he supposed to help Gerard and explain to him, here's some of these pitfalls that you want to avoid. And would Gerard want that? Or would Gerard say, I kind of want to chart my own course. What's their relationship like? So I think any way that Josh McDaniels returns would require a conversation that really spotlights, this is what we envision for you. Would you like to do that? Because when you look at the staff, Gresh, it's very new. Say Nick Cayley becomes the offensive coordinator. Well, he's been a tight ends coach. Has he ever directly worked with quarterbacks? Does Evan Rothstein, for instance, stay with the team? He's been kind of the quarterback's coach. Does he remain in that capacity? Or does he have enough experience to deal with you know, a top three pick who's going to have extreme expectations on him for quick development? I think all of those things 
to me, hint that you, you probably should have somebody who understands the pitfalls, but is Josh the right person? Is it, I, I'm curious, though, you, when you have a guy like Joshua Daniels, who was like the original chosen one, you feel like after turning down that job in Indianapolis and staying, I wonder if Mayo th- sees him or would see him as a threat if he's in the building. Sure, and I think that you know, Josh would have liked to have stayed here in 2021. There was, you know, a curiosity on his part as to whether or not the Patriots would do anything to make sure that he stuck around for the latter portion of Bill's tenure here and whether he would be the person who succeeded Bill. Patriots didn't do that. Patriots let Josh go to Las Vegas. They instead opted for Gerard. So are there hard feelings? Is there a snubbing? Is there a feeling of, well, see, maybe you should have kept me around. And now you want me to come back in. So I don't know that to be hmm. the case, but that's though. a dynamic that's, that's worth exploring, too. I mean, he wondered, will the Patriots do anything to ensure my staying here or am I just going to go to Vegas? And he was happy to go to Vegas. It didn't work out, but it worked out financially. But, you know, that's certainly a dynamic to consider as well. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Aggression for you. He's with us each and every Tuesday at noon. Um, I know that we talked last week about the, hey, with some of Mayo's comments, he's sort of leading us to think quarterback at number three. There are people who have said no. There have been a lot of people in and out of the building. And, Tom, I don't think I've even asked you this question yet. Do you or have you been able to nail down what they're looking for in specific, in an offensive coordinator? Is it a quarterback guy? Is it a scheme guy? Do they even know exactly sort of what characteristics they want in the guy in the next job? I'm sure that they do. I think right now, as it stands noontime on Tuesday, it feels like Nick Cayley is the leading candidate. So what does Nick Cayley bring to the table? We've known that he's a tight ends coach. I spoke in 2021 to Julian Edelman when we were out at the Super Bowl. And I said, what do you think of Nick Cayley? And this is when the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and there was indecisiveness as to who would be the coordinator. And Edelman said, he'd be great. He'd be an excellent coordinator. I don't know what that's necessarily based on, but I would trust that Edelman would have a feel for it. But what is his vision for a quarterback? What is his vision for an offense? He went to the Rams. Does he come back with any kind of a, Rams flavored offensive vision, or is it the same vision that he kind of incorporated when he was here in New England? So I don't know what Kaylee would bring necessarily. I do think the Patriots want to make it, and they've tried with Bill and, and Patricia and Judge, they tried to alter the offense to make it more simple, tried to alter the running game. They tried to implement some of the wide zone concepts in the running game. Will they try and do that again? Do they have the personnel to do that again? So all of that stuff, again, and that's why I put that poll out, to me, they're not going to lay it all out on the table and say this is what we're going to be doing on third and fives, and this is how we're going to set up in formation, and this is going to be our personnel. But you, you have to have kind of a working um, mindset, which I don't know if we're going to see unveiled until we start seeing the personnel they bring, bring in. So, Tom, I'm curious your thoughts on um... – like the recent information leaked from multiple sources, I guess you could call it, regarding Mac Jones and how he, 
you know, uh, talk to a couple personnel people with the Jets and, and Zach Wilson and, you know, the lack of communication that happened at the end of the uh, end of the season towards him. I'm curious, like, you know, the more that comes out, like the more you realize like how bad the situation was, but it seems, I don't know, I guess it feels like it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, somebody's been doing this on purpose to almost to save Mac Jones's career. I'm curious your thoughts. I had a 45-minute conversation with Joe Dickinson, who's been Mac's quarterback's coach um, since he was 11. And that's on the Patriots Talk podcast. I'm going to have a little bit of a on quick slants tonight. Yeah, I think it's a concerted effort to say, hey, here's Mac's side of things. And I specifically asked, you know, where did it go sideways? Because, you know, he's involved with Mac. What happened? And... You know, it's a long conversation. I recommend, you know, giving it a listen. You guys can see it a little bit. But it basically came down to, you know, the lack of direction in 2022 and then the fraying of the relationship. So as, as I said to Joe, in the end, this wasn't about X's and O's and arm strength and reading defenses and getting your eyes in the right place. It ended up being more about relationships and the development of a player and Mac feeling as if he wasn't being developed and feeling as if he wasn't getting the coaching that he needed and then looking elsewhere and that being in Belichick's mind a betrayal and certainly the on-field histrionics that he engaged in was specifically showing up Bill. So in the end, you could have gone either way with that. You could have said, well, the kid's obviously frustrated. He's being a little bit of a baby, but it's in everyone's best interest to try and move forward where you say, F that guy, I'm going to do everything I can to make life difficult for him. And it seemed like the latter was chosen. So Mac Jones was definitely taught a lesson. Tommy, uh, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Your thoughts on some (laughs) of the narrative, quote-unquote, out there? I think, boy, if he gets this next Super Bowl, he's definitely, um, I would say, virtually equaled the first 10 years of Tom's career. He's got another decade to go. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. The oh, reality is, I'm so with you. The way the guy he's played at 45 is being forgotten now, Tommy. Like, it, isn't it crazy how quickly we forget how great Tom Brady was in his 30s and 40s? It's insane. It, I mean, it is because you know, and there's so much discrediting of Brady's performance in 01, 03, and 04. Um, and it's always defense-based. It was Corey Dillon. It was, uh, you know, everybody but Tom Brady. And you can make that claim about the 20, 2001 team to a large extent, but you also have to remember there were games there in 2001, 2003, 2004, where he had the team on his back and delivered in the, the biggest moments, the way Mahomes does. And when you give him in 2007, and I know the game's changed, but in 2007 they actually gave him toys, and he goes out and sets the friggin' record for touchdown passes, and the team goes undefeated in the regular season and scores 75 touchdowns. So it was the greatest offense in NFL history at that juncture. And he did all that in the first 10 years. So Mahomes is unbelievable, and he is close to equaling – he's halfway to Tom Brady. In other words, hmm. I like it. That is the right kind of analysis. For I'm going to go vote on your uh, on your real quick. I'm going to go vote. You're going to go vote on we Tom's got- poll. Yeah, are you? I'm going to go vote yeah. on his poll. All right, then it's a little poll though, what the so hell's it's going easy. On is already a- what the hell's going on is a 46. 46- <laughs> 
<laughs> Tommy, thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. buddy. There we go. Uh, I, it, oh, man. I know I've been hard on Mayo in this whole OC search thing. But they have another problem that they've created because this thing has taken forever. We always hear about how coaches want to get in the door as early as possible, right? Because they go hire their assistants. We can't even figure out who's running the effing offense. And you mean to tell me that Ham Hands Harry could be named the OC on Friday and he's going to be able to turn around and find an offensive line coach, a wide receiver coach, a quarterback coach, without it being some of the people that are here? We're running up against the clock to where you're either going to get an offensive coordinator who's going to go pluck the assistant offensive line coach or the Billy Yates of other organizations, or you have to sell an offensive coordinator on, well, you're going to have Troy Brown and Adrian Clem and so-and-so. That all doesn't correlate and add up. No, it doesn't work at all. And the other thing that stood out to me, was a little nugget on Josh McDaniels. Like, it's almost like now you know why he's not even, not that he's not being considered. He may just be like, you know. It might be a him thing, not a them yeah. thing. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, back to the guys. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. We'll call plays next year. We have no freaking idea. And you know what, Fourier? The more I think about coming off that Tom Kern conversation, the more I I keep landing on one of two things. I just don't know how they would fill out the rest of the staff in terms of O-line coach, wide receiver coach, Unless somebody is coming in to be the offensive coordinator where they know there's a lot of young assistants who know what they want to teach, right? Nick Cayley hasn't thought that far. If Gerard Mayo had it written in his freaking contract, he was going to be the next guy. And he didn't have a plan. How in the world are they going to, unless it is, Either Nick Cayley walking in and saying, okay, I've dealt with these guys, most of these guys before. I can keep this staff. I said this to you in the off-air show. Adrian Clem also, off, also you know, uh, interviewed for the offensive coordinator job. Now, maybe you could look at it and say it was a sham or whatever, but still, 
if Clem is around and Josh McDaniels walked through the door, a vested, veteran, proven offensive coordinator who would know how to deal with a staff of assistants that were kind of pushed on him, let's say, or given to him, versus the way Clem might react if he hears his boss is going to be the guy who the organization let go to just go be whatever it is, a, a random position coach with the Rams, and then that guy's going to be like, I have to take my orders from you. I interviewed for this friggin' job too. Have Billy Yates, see you later type thing. This, uh, like Curran's question, nah, we are at, we're at near panic status. Because, and, and uh, the more I've been hammering you with this, I know it's crazy, some would say, but it makes sense because how many, what, what assistants are left out there? 20, Arthur Smith just got named the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. What's he going to do? Let me try to find as many guys from Tennessee that maybe I coached with as possible to be able to try to get some of those dudes in there. I just don't see how all of this is going to work, man. I know. And uh, I'm just thinking as you're talking about Nick Cayley calling plays, like, okay, is he stealing his playbook from, you know, the Rams? And is he kind of merging it with the Patriots? And and if he takes the offense from the Rams and and he's forced to keep all the assistant coaches that are already there, he has to teach that offense to them. Thank you. And... I can't tell you, like, I, I always use, like, you know, the uh, the Redskins uh, as my example because Al Saunders comes in and Joe Gibbs' his entire staff is there because he brought all his guys there. And he, didn't want, he wasn't going to fire anybody, but he, but he wanted a new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So he brought in Al Saunders to teach this high-level, very complex, I mean, very the most challenging offense I ever had to learn. So many motions and shifts before they even snapped the ball. It was so challenging. It was stupid. It was meaningless, to be honest with you. It was the Vermeil offense, basically, right? Kind of. A version of it, but they had switched it. They had tinkered with it in Kansas City. They had mastered it, and then they brought sure. it to, uh, you know, Washington. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is – and he's trying to teach all these old-timers this offense. And nobody get got it. Nobody understood it. The players hated it, and Gibbs just said, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> to literally oh said, my God. we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> Is that crazy? We're going to go back to put the tight end on the right side. Yeah. We're going to go right four. Yeah, yeah. Right I don't want, and I want to take the other tight end. I want you to motion him across. I want you to be like a whole combo block and just everybody go to the, just, well, what if the guy, no, don't worry about it, just keep, go that way. Or what about the back? Well, he's going to make one guy miss and he's going to cut back and go. <laughs> like that was, it was so dumbed down. By that time I was hurt, I didn't care. But, again, I'm going back the 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 practical, smart, Safe play. Forget about I want to chart my own course. Dude, you want to be successful on your mission. Bingo. You don't want to go crashing into the rocks because your offense is learning on the fly because nobody's getting along. They all have their own collaborative ideas and they're not being heard. And now the O-line coach thinks that the receivers coach is screwing up and the backs coach thinks that the tight ends aren't doing their job and the offensive coordinator is trying to keep make everybody happy and just trying to call the right plays on time. And at the same time, your head coach is not really sure about what type of play he wants to run because the clock is running too fast, mm. and now he's freaking out, and he calls a timeout that he doesn't have. Oh, boy. All these are part of the plan. So I'll even use, uh, let's use Dan Campbell as an example. Okay. Okay. 
his first year was horrible. His second year started off there like one and seven, one and six. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Here we go again. Unbelievable ending of his second year. Third year, they're on their way. They're on their way. That guy was an interim coach with the Miami Dolphins. He was an assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints. He was primed. He was ready. He had his own philosophy, and he wanted to chart his own course. He wanted to do things his way. It worked. It flat out worked. He, I, he's the exception to the rule. Very much so. As we know, D'Amico Ryan with the Houston Texans. Exception, exception to, to the rule. Normally, 70% of the first-year guys are yeah. flaming so out. So I, I, give, I give the Detroit Lions credit for sticking with them because that, when they were like 1-6 or 1-7, like, Remember they lost here last year and Dan Campbell was like crying in the post-game press yeah. conference almost. He's just way too emotional and he's, he's too reckless and he's too stuck in his ways. But it worked. Again, he probably lost them a chance of going to the Super Bowl by being too committed to his own stupid philosophy. But whatever. But the fact that we're even uttering that the Lions could have been seven and a half minutes from the Super Bowl is kind of amazing unto itself. Yeah, so the the uh, the uh, this is just feels like it's going to be a real... I almost feel like the 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 crafts are like we're willing to wait for him to learn as we go. We're, when we, you see your players give all that they have, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. Listen, he, the players love him because he's he's emotional, right? Uh, but I do I feel like just, there's an aspect. So the Josh McDaniels, so Josh McDaniels, Gresh won't even. This is my yeah. With with the addition of what uh, Current said, like it feels like he's just uh, either he's a, holding a grudge. He has too much money coming to him from the Raiders. Where why bother with a assistant analyst role? Uh, is there the hey? I'll go sit for a year. I'll collect the money from the Raiders, and when Bill gets back in in twenty five, then I. What do you think he's making? Like the Raiders still owe him money. They probably still owe Gruden money. No, I think uh, I think Josh McDaniels gets six mil or something this year, or something like that. It might even be a little more than that. So that on- check comes in, you're like, do oh, I yeah. really want to roll in on a Monday morning and start breaking down film for Nick Cayley, who I know, who I know, I'm better than. And you know, the other thing too is is has Josh McDaniels proven enough with quarterbacks? To be considered one of these guys that you can 100% trust him in turning your guy over to him. I would think he should get just as much credit as, as Zach Robinson. As uh, yeah, right. Of uh, who are the other ones? All the all the hot names. People uh, pop ben Johnson, rods over these guys who've done nothing. Right. Yeah, ben Johnson from the good luck coaching a team with not all that talent that you have. Good luck. Listen, I, I hope it works out. Well, Ben Johnson might get the Eric rude enemy. Eric B. Enemy. Well, there you suddenly go. Suddenly he just, he's a, he was, he was the talk of the town after the first two games of the season. Yep. Sam Howell, like, look at this guy. He's, he's a gunslinger. You know, suddenly it's like, you know, his coach is fired. He's probably out. Uh, Nick just told me McDaniels has four years left at around 10 million a year. I am raising my kids and going to their basketball and all their sporting <laughs> events. I am I am going I am taking a long summer vacation into August because that's when your life is really over. I'm going in I'm going to Italy into August. There's always the date circled on the calendar of when you got to report to camp, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're your- like once July 4th hits your life is over if you're a coach. Oh, I I think a guy like Joshua Daniels like what's it worth? Like take a year off. Take a year off, enjoy yourself, you know, hang out with your kids, take a long break, 
you know, build build a summer home always, somewhere, all, buy a boat. Yeah, you know what? He can be he can be a consultant. Hey, send me your game film. I'll break down three games and tell you what I think, and you can send me a check for you know five grand or whatever. I would say there's so many other. Like I'm sure he mentally wants to stay in it because I don't see guys like that ever like getting out of the game unless they go into TV unless they're so and like Josh is not doing. I that. don't think he's no. got that or like you know radio or hey well, why don't we have it on have him on here? Wonder if he'll come on with us. Hey hey break down this uh, this play from your from Nick Cayley. Hey listen, be critical of Nick Cayley. We're gonna find our new guy to try that <laughs> idea. It didn't work last year. No, it didn't. <laughs> We had a good four week run. Uh six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. So there's the very latest on the uh Patriots hunt for a offensive coordinator. And speaking of OCs, Troy Brown will be the offensive coordinator of the American team at the senior bowl. And the two quarterbacks at the senior bowl who are the most interesting going in are unfortunately not going to be coached by offensive coordinator Troy Brown. So who does he have? Rattler? Uh, hold Spencer, on. Spencer Rattler. I think it's uh, – hang on. I just looked this up the other day. Let me get 2024. Why would they put Bo Nix and, and, uh, and Michael Penix, Penix on together? the same team? Like, it, they're complete, they should put them at odds. So – or maybe they did it on purpose so they could have a better chance to evaluate the, them. The American team quarterbacks are uh, Spencer Rattler – Michael Pratt and Joe Milton. Do you know Joe, who Joe Milton? Joe Milton's been in the league a lot. Didn't he blow his knee out for like UCF and then he went to Oklahoma? It was uh, right. He's Tennessee's quarterback. Who's Joe the guy Milton, I'm thinking of? You're thinking of uh, Dylan Gabriel or the guy who went I to Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's or the guy you, I'm thinking or of. No, oh no, he you're like thinking, blew no, his... no, no. You're you're thinking of uh, of. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, something like that. The yeah, guy, the kid yeah, from yeah, Hawaii, yeah, 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 he was yeah, at UCF, yeah. and then yes, that's he ended the guy. up at Florida State or whatever. Yeah, he had like guy. a terrible, terrible injury. What is really interesting to me about Joe Milton, and the only reason why I mention it, because it is the team that that Troy Brown will be coaching down there. Um, they did the uh, the weigh ins and stuff yesterday. Joe Milton came in at six foot five. Ooh. 235 Jeez. with a hand size of 10 and 3 eighths, along with a uh, 33 and a half, a 33 and an eighth in terms of arm, uh, and 80 and 5 eighths on a wingspan. The only reason I bring it up Six, is because five, 235. There, you're thinking the same Jeez. thing I am is that that is a guy that when you look at height, weight, measurables, position that he plays. To me, Joe Milton is an intriguing prospect. Not that that's going to be, hey, here's our number three pick in the draft. Don't get me wrong, y'all. But when you see – because I'm looking at these other other quarterbacks that are mixed in here, right? Like Penix came in at, at 6'2", 216. Hand size, 9. Little hands. Hate to say it, but it's going to work against Penix. Little hands. You know, we've been through that before. Um, what about Bo Nix? My yeah. apologies, my apologies. I screwed that up. That was Michael Pratt had the nine. Okay, Penix had ten and three eight. Okay, there you go. But he was also six two two twelve. Bo Nix six one, six oh one seven. So that's what six foot one and is that seven eighths or something I like was that? Gonna, it was or like, like, why do they do it like? I that? know. I don't think two eighteen. 
Hand with nine seven eight arm length. You Isn't know this I mean? crazy? So we're literally looking at this like uh, this guy was such. A, all these guys were so successful in college, and suddenly um, your draft positioning will be predicated on an inch and a half, two inches of height. Could be for some, yeah, or hand size. You know, ability to sort of, uh, you know, do you I'm always curious. What would you look at not? if you? Um, I would sit there and go, well, you know, I would be committed to like all those stats for the, you know, for at least the most part. But in the end, I would literally just, I really feel like the most important thing is just their tape. Well, at the end of the day, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So yeah. don't kind of talk to yourself. If if measurables are bothering you, then go put on the tape. That's the old scout's credo. What's the tape say? Yeah, and ultimately, like I would just try to find the most competitive guy I could find. It wasn't a dink. Well, there is that. And I'll tell you what, this group of uh, wide receivers here at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, you have uh, Lad McConkey is in there. You've got Luke McCaffrey in there. Oh, Rice. Um, yeah, there's, Georgia. Uh, yeah, there's uh, all McCaffrey's kinds. another McCaffrey coming into well, the league. you know what's interesting is, is that uh, I saw somebody who was putting together their top 50 list. And it was one of these draft guys, like a good one, not, you know, a fly-by-nighter. And in their top 50, there were 11 wide receivers and 11 offensive linemen. That seems really heavy for two positions to be in what would be just a top 50 overall list of prospects. I was just reading through Daniel Jeremiah's, and in his top 20, he had like 10 offensive linemen. There you go. Yeah, this is this is a and, – and the – now, my theory – on wide receivers is is that in the NFL now there's going to be so many of them coming in that I think unless you have to be as good as Marvin Harrison is to kind of be a top five guy. Like you look at Marvin Harrison, you're like, okay, all these other guys are pretty good. That guy's different. And you could point out the reasons yeah. why. But otherwise, I think there are going to be many more teams, third, fourth, fifth round, just Soda machine theory. I'm going to press a button. Here comes another one. Yeah, yeah, Keep yeah. Press some buttons and here they <laughs> come. Draft four, hope you get two type thing. And no, I'm not saying that there isn't room in the first round because, again, it's team needs. But I think in terms of sort of the way some things are going in college football, there will be a bigger emphasis put on the linemen than the wide receivers because I think a lot of teams will say, yeah, in the second round, like, if it's Marvin Harrison, it's one thing. But otherwise, a lot of these dudes are all really similar. Yeah, and, and the Marvin Harrison thing is uh, starting to kind of, you know, sit with me a little bit better. Because I think if if you if I told you that um, Marvin Harrison would be Jamar Chase, like right away, he gets <sighs> in the league and he is unstoppable. Uh, and you, and he, no matter what you throw him, he catches. He's just fast. He, I mean, he's Jamar Chase right from the day, right from day one. He's Jamar Chase. I don't know how you could skip him. I well, don't know how you could pass him up. Right, because he is the truest version of plug and play. Probably gives you t- minus injury. 1200 yards. Yeah. And but we're talking high level plug and play, not plug oh, yeah. and play. You're a good. You're a good football player. You'll have a 10 year career. But you're a plug and play. 
Hall of Famer, not Hall of Famer, but even like all pro candidate, rookie of the year candidate, but always in the top three to four of every wide receiver, even though you're only on year one or two. Did you feel like when you walked into the league, you were like ready to go the way you and I look at Harrison and say, oh no, this guy, he's ready to go right away and go play at a high level. Like, uh, is that is that easy to see? Because I think it's really only tied into about half of the first round. Like, I'm big on... Alt and Fashanu. I think those guys, they start from day one on somebody's offensive line. But I don't know if that is for everybody. Where, where do you kind of um, land on that? Now where you Christian can, Fourier. Does it run tremendously? Like well, you I started my at, first, my second game. Right. And, and I started until I got hurt. But, but even you look at Harrison and say, oh, he's ready now for a big role. It is funny. It's just like you can just tell how just, I don't know, mature they are. I'll call it that. They're just so mature. It's a great word. Their strength, nothing's like like I always think about like what's the difference between a guy that goes to a low level level school and and a high level school. Like if you put if you took away the jerseys and you took away the the background of the stadium and whatever the circumstances were, and one guy ran a a go route and two guys and both guys and they're both catching and they're both strong. Like what what does it matter? Like those guys can run those routes and catch those passes and run after the catch. So it doesn't matter where you go to school. You know, they get a little bit more credit because they're going against better competition, so there's more of a sure thing as opposed to the guy that's at a lower school. You know, but and that's why I sit there and go, you will find there will be a Marvin Harrison type, uh, Amon St. Brown. There will be a ton of badass wide receivers that nobody's thinking of, and they will end up dominating in the league. They'll be on the right offense. They have good hand-eye coordination. Like, well, Nakua this year. With the, yeah, Puka Nakua yeah. is a perfect example. It's, it's insane. The dude is like, uh, I and mean. Who tore it up at the Senior Bowl last year, by the way, did Nakua? Because I think he was kind of coming off of injury or whatever it was. He and, was riddled with injury. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and he, and he ended up having a, you know, one a, a, a decent showing down in Mobile. And he turned himself into a, you know, what, day three draft pick. And he and, was in the perfect offense Right, for his skill set. It's almost like he forgot Cooper Cup even existed. He didn't have to come in to be the number one right away. And that's about the only drawback for Marvin Harrison. But then again, he's ready for that. I would agree. He's ready to be a a top flight guy. Uh, Oh, and one other note. uh, Reports are that uh, Kirk Cousins wants two years, $90 guaranteed. Yeah. Those days have passed him by. I, he's not getting it. I kind of think so. He's not um, getting. He's it. not getting the fully guaranteed. Not anymore. a chance no. in hell. I wouldn't think so. Unless no way. Minnesota just bites. Yeah, possibly. And they're but like, "Oh, we'll keep you here. We've always done it this way." Blah, no blah, way. Blah, he's whatever. getting that. I'm. I'm kind of with you uh, on that. Um, It'll get close though. A lot of people think that steroids are bad. They've tried to take him out of the Olympics. They've tried to take him out of the NFL and other sports. But maybe we just need a league dedicated to those who want to jam a needle in their ass. <laughs> the lighter side of sports is next. Time now for the lighter side of sports. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss on Crash and Fourier. Lighter side of sports, sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. When it's time to do a 180 with your weight, call Awaken 180 Weight Loss or just book your consultation online. Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Um, 
You know, billionaires are always looking to do something different, Foyer. And uh, billionaire Peter Thiel has invested in a sports league. And I want everybody in on this because having uh, known Billy Landy at a prior station, we've actually had conversations about this. And it does tie into Manny Ramirez as well. But anyway, billionaire Peter Thiel has invested in a sports league where steroids are legal, Foyer. It is, <laughs> it is called... The Enhanced Games, okay? So the Enhanced Games is organizing an alternative to the, and this is their words, by the way, to the corrupt Olympic Games, which they are. We believe that science makes humanity and sports better and fairer sports without drug testing. So as Wait. I... We believe Please. that it's better and fair when nobody's monitoring if we're cheating or not. That's right. Yeah. Right? Everybody can All do right. whatever in the world yeah. they want. Do whatever right? you want. Doesn't matter. Billy, was baseball not better with Roids and Manny driving the ball five hundred yeah. feet? Yeah, and the only people that'll tell you that are the stubborn baseball writers that vote for the Hall of Fame. Exactly right. Otherwise the game was better. The Roids were better. And now The it, Roids saved the sport. Uh very much so. That and Cal Ripken's streak. Well, don't get into the details on that, Kevin Costner. Anyway, rumors. <laughs> Could have also been steroids, too. That's true. Could have also been uh, roids as, as right. So, the Enhanced Games is a planned international sports event where athletes will not be subject to drug testing, uh, headed by an Australian businessman, Aaron D'Souza. He's another guy who's in on this. It is meant to take place in December of 2024. Now, this is on their own Wikipedia page, by the way. The next line is, reactions from the sporting world have been generally negative. <laughs> so, I guess we ask, like, big deal, no big deal. Yeah. The fact that we're going to have a games where if you want to be dirty, you can be dirty. Like, is that, yeah. is that so bad considering? Now, the reason I sort of push back on the whole people who are like, ah, this sucks. We are never more educated than ever before when it comes to this stuff. Listen, let's just be real. We're not going to talk about whether people used it or whatnot, but I would dare say this. In 1992 and in 1994, you didn't, you barely knew about Andro, which was like this, oh, Mark McGuire is on a steroid precursor. By God. Well, what does that mean? Let's look up and see exactly what it means and da-da-da, right? But... It's not the days where, like, when you and I would have been in the formative years and being like, how do we get bigger? Well, let's just jam the needle of <laughs> synthetic steroids in us where your tendons don't grow and stuff like that. We have old people on HGH at a moderate level, and it's helping them live. We've had guys in the NFL. Listen, I'll never begrudge Julian Edelman for getting a four-game suspension on rehabbing his knee. He was over 30 with a bum ACL. Roid your ass off. Take a four-game suspension. Nobody will think twice about it. Like, we've turned it into that it's like the days of the 80s where it's horse tranquilizers yeah. or whatever, right? DMSO that you're ingesting. We know more than ever now. We can safely prescribe a low-level steroid for somebody that might want to get on it for whatever reason. I personally feel, especially when it comes to rehabilitation, it should be allowed. When it comes to knee rehab, back rehab, shoulder, all this stuff, you will re – now, once you're healed, you got to get off of it, okay? 
But I 1,000% think that there's a version of, like, uh, uh, enhancement drugs, HEH, steroids, and there's a bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, should be allowed for especially for professional athletes. And when it comes to rehabbing injuries, like I made the joke about Edelman, but it really is true. And they all they have all listen, Rodney Harrison got caught. Yep. Rob Nikovich got caught. Uh, Julian Edelman got caught. I mean, now these are guys and they all fit the same like kind of like criteria. Older athletes, limited time to to benefit from their earning potential, mm-hmm. right? And trying to, you know, prove people wrong. Like, who the hell knows? Maybe Adrian Peterson, when he blew out, isn't he? Maybe he did something. Who the hell knows? Or he's just the one freak. When it comes to this, to this, like, no big deal at all. Thank God somebody's finally doing it. I am with you I'm all about it. I, here's the thing, though. You're going to get, like, lower-end athletes taking steroids, so the numbers and stuff will be better for them. But overall, you really want the highest, highest elevated athletes doing these things because those numbers – because. Like, you know, real athletes are not, you know, they're not doing this. They're just not because they, they, they were well, not allowed to. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Or they're really good at covering it up. Like, do I think Olympic athletes are dirty? Mm, yeah, a lot of them are. And a lot of them are pretty good at hiding do it. Do I think the Tour de France is filled with dopers? Uh, no. Uh, it's cleanest sport in the history of sports. Well, that's the thing, right? So if they're going to do the enhanced games. Is is Lance Armstrong, by the way, the face I was, of this? No, but I was going to say, who would need to be the faces of it? It would be like, Lance like Armstrong. Billy. Like, it would be Lance Armstrong would be one. Uh, Barry Bonds was told mm. he did stuff. I was also told by baseball writers 15 years ago he would go to jail. He never went to jail. It's got to be somebody who has like proven failed tests. Rafael Ooh. Palmero. Oh. Like Barry Bell, Barry Bonds signing the book that he went into Belco doesn't doesn't fly. Uh, right. But if you did Rafael Palmero could be one. Jose that Can- was B12. Jose Canseco would be one. <laughs> That's a vitamin B12 shot. So it would That's be. That's what it was with Palmero is a B12 so, shot. Uh, so who would be, not like a Mount Rushmore, but it would be, here are the representatives from the enhancement McGuire. games. Well, again, he never technically failed Alex anything. Rodriguez. Oh. I mean, talk about he got caught red-handed. Like Manny failed multiple tests. Manny failed. Manny could be in there. A-Rod's a good Ortiz. one. Ortiz. Because you want big names. No, he's still looking for the person that made he's still him looking. dirty. Him and, him and OJ? He's supposed to come out on the Mitchell Report. That's right. Yeah. Has Major League Baseball bent over backwards enough for him on that, too? Like, didn't they, uh, oh, we're going to come and have a press conference. We're going to we're gonna send the investigative Gestapos out there. Fifteen years later, nobody knows-ish. Like, it's better just to let it die on its own instead of like keep bringing it back up. Yeah, but every so, time, but every single time, there's some sort of like you know Hall of Fame voting. It's it's always kind of pops up. And I'm with Billy. Like the sport was better when they were letting them cheat, and they were they knew it was happening until somebody said, "This isn't right. What about the Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. What about?" All those those greats before their records will and be. It's exactly tainted. why people complain every time the Hall of Fame ballot comes out, yep. no matter who it is. I hate the Hall of, of Fame. There you go. I hate it. Well, uh, I think the it's reaction who we're stuck with. These are the players we're stuck with. It's we have to. Not that Adrian Beltre isn't a Hall of Famer, but now it's you know people are going to complain about it because it's not Manny, it's not A Rod, it's not Bonds, it's not Clemens. But so this is who was just was stuck with to have to accept as Hall of Famous. We have to look at the eras for what they are. And there was a time in baseball where they were juicing their nards off. And we all loved it. If, if that, I was going to say, I yeah. know, if you were going to do that, go back into the 70s for football. And here's the thing. And the, football and steroids, to your point about Edelman and all the other guys, yeah. nobody gives a crap nope. about 
whether or not you were suspended four games for doing steroids or some creating taking some sort of cocktail. Nobody cares. It's like they kind of almost expect it. And if you okay, big deal. Okay, or we're gonna be yelling. I can't tell you how many times guys have gotten caught red-handed. It's like, oh crap. It's a, you're a little shamed at first, but then you're like, what do you want me to do, dude? Like being chased down by 500 pound dudes. Well, hell, in the 70s, uh, they had greenies all the time. Exactly. And when it's you the look 70s, at the and 90s when you, and 2000s, and, and when you look at performance enhancers, like yeah, you know, well, because I I use the 70s, Christian, because people are like, look at Henry Aaron, he never did anything like that. No. Those guys walked in at 2 in the afternoon after drinking all night, popped a couple of greenies, and went out there and sucked dingers. I've told you this before, and Lou can back me up on this based on the availability of, like, not only, like, you know, anti-inflammatory drugs, you name it, high-end opioids, you name it, like a, like a, like a, like a big jar of, uh, you know, gummy bears that you would see at somebody's house like, like during gra- Halloween. Grandma's you, candy bowl. You just, without the lid, no lid. No lid. You just... Hand in, you stick Boom. them in your pocket, you leave, and, and you forget which one's in which pocket. Which one? Which which I put in my right? Did I put the anti? Did I put the who? I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna crush them all up and snort them. When Lou put that, <laughs> uh, when Lou put his old jersey back on, I wonder if in the pockets there there was like a hidden green or something like that. Maybe like a hidden like little zipper private yeah. <laughs> compartment. Oh uh, man, we got Jerry and Robin on the line. We've talked a lot about Brady today. We've talked a lot about the Patriots and of course their search for coordinators and what in the world's going to go on at OC and the Celtics. Winners last night, playing tonight, then the Lakers on Thursday. Big week for the Seas. We'll get back to them in the football next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 